Welcome to the Spirit of Praise broadcast coming to you from Tabernacle of Praise Church International, York, South Carolina. I'm Bishop Alfred Jackson. I'm thankful that you've tuned in today. I pray that the message will bless you and impact your life in a powerful way. Thank you for tuning in. Enjoy the message. devil is winning, we have to remember that God has already won. Because he is the greatest power, we shall never be defeated. Hallelujah. 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 Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4. Hallelujah. Verses 32 and the first part of verse, through the first part of verse 34. Hallelujah. Because God is the greatest power. We shall never be defeated. Hallelujah. Ah, thank you, Jesus. Acts chapter 4, verse 32. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and God's grace was so powerfully at work in them, in them all, that there was no needy person among them. I want to talk about unity, witness, and grace, a model for today's church, a model for today's church. Father, thank you for your word and the power of your word. Thank you for your anointing that destroys the yoke and that removes the burden. Thank you, Lord, that when your word goes forth, it does not return to you void, but it accomplishes all that you desire. Thank you that you prosper your word in the things that you sent your word to. So thank you for sending your word to us today. Speak, Lord, for your servants here. And thank you for what your word will accomplish in our lives today. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the name of Jesus. Unity, witness, and grace. A model for today's church. As I was reflecting and, and, and praying about a message to bring to you today, Holy Spirit reminded me of Romans chapter 15, verse 4, which said, For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, so that through the endurance taught in the Scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. We might have hope. Yeah. Everything that was written in the past. Speaking of, speaking of the scriptures now. 
This is, this is the Bible. Amen. And this is the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. So it's not necessarily talking about everything that was written, but we're in the context of the scriptures. That being the case, we need to pay close attention to what has been written about the church of the Lord Jesus Christ in the book of Acts. We have to pay close attention to what has been written because we today are the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, Amen. Followers of Jesus, people who've committed themselves to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, the Lord also just kept impressing this in my spirit as I, as I read uh, this section of Scripture, this body of Scripture. Uh, he kept pressing in my spirit about the Christian standard, which we find in the Bible, Christ standard, um, that the church has to pay attention to uh, because we are we're pulled on every side uh, with trying to change the standard that has been set forth in Scripture. The church is founded on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ being the chief cornerstone. And when it talks about apostles and prophets, it's not talking about apostles and prophets today. Nobody today is setting, setting the standard. The standard has already been set. And, and it's so important for us to, 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 as we read the scripture, to get wisdom and revelation for ourselves today. Even when, when Paul talks about the mystery uh, that was hidden in times past that has been revealed to us, he was talking about the apostles of that day who wrote it in the scriptures. Amen. We don't have a different revelation. Uh, we don't have a different revelation. Uh, we build on uh, what has already been revealed to us and building on that, on that foundation, uh, the foundation remains the same. We can't change the foundation and still be the church. And regardless of what I may experience in my personal life or what I may be doing in my personal life, it doesn't change the foundation that has been laid out. We can't, we can't change the church being the church, but on the standard of the word of God. And we may find a, a new way to interpret it, but, you know, when you get back to the foundation, uh, Solomon said, there's nothing new under the sun. Yeah, there's nothing new under the sun. Stuff that we see today that's new to people today doesn't mean that this has never happened before. It may not, be, may not have happened in the magnitude that is happening today because there are more people on the earth so that the magnitude is greater. But percentage-wise, it's probably the same. There's nothing new under the sun. So when we deal with the church, the Bible is a record book and, and, and the standard is set forth in the Bible, in the Bible, in the Word of God. And, and so it's so important for us to see this. So we look at, we look at scripture when we want to understand or we want more insight on who we are supposed to be. Yeah, yeah, we, we can't. 
it's dangerous, it's very dangerous to move away from the Christian standard that is revealed in Scripture. Very dangerous, very dangerous, very dangerous. And this is why, you know, uh, the early church fathers would come together and deal with issues that came up in society within the church because people were shifting and moving away from the standard. And church fathers had to deal with certain issues to say, this is what is revealed in Scripture. Everything else is wrong, or that's a heresy, that's error. You can't go in error and still be the church. And, 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 and um, um, my brothers and sisters, in our personal lives, we have to be challenged. We have to be challenged. To come, if we call ourselves Christian, each one of us has to be challenged in our attitudes, in our actions, in our beliefs, and in our practices. We have to be challenged. Uh, there are a lot of old sayings that may not necessarily be biblical, but, but, but they, they might have a biblical premise. A lot of times I think of uh, something I read somewhere along the way. Uh, these these men were walking through a field, and they they came upon it was either a gate or a fence, and 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 one of them wanted to move it, and the other one said, "Don't move the fence unless you know what it's there for." And so sometimes people who are not studied in the scriptures, who are not rooted and grounded in sound doctrine, have moved things, and they didn't know what they were there for. The church of Jesus Christ can never be anything but the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And his standard is set forth in the scriptures. So today, people are moving a lot of stuff because they're saying that, that, that people have misinterpreted scripture. Uh, the, the church is not relevant. Uh, the church is out of date. But when you go back to the Bible and you interpret the scriptures correctly, they're still the same. Still the same. Yeah, people misinterpret scripture, but when you go back and you dig into it, and most people are not willing to dig. Most people are not. You know, uh, they're just not going to do it. I don't care how much you encourage people, how much you, how much you push people. Most people accept Christianity or reject Christianity at face value, not because they've dug. And, and some people don't have, some people don't have, and I don't mean this negatively, some people do not have the mental capacity to dig. Now, if you're operating on a fifth grade level, there's no way you can go to graduate school and get the same thing that a person who has been developed in the rudiments of education does. You got to go through that whole process. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't try to do it. You really should, but you got you to gotta put your, you got you to gotta, you gotta really focus. You got to really, I mean, you know, you just don't jump from fifth grade to a senior in college. You don't, you don't do that. It's impossible for you to do that. And I don't care how much you say the Lord gives you revelation. If the Lord giving you revelation, he's also pushing you to develop yourself, which takes time and energy. There's no way 
that I'm going to go to the gym today and be Mr. America tomorrow. There's just no way. There's just no way. I don't understand why we think in the church that we can do that. We just can't do that. And people come with their half-baked cakes. That's why I can say it. And, 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 and they're moving stuff. That they, they, they haven't been fully baked. And you cut into them and it's raw on the inside. Outside looks wonderful, but there's no depth there. Because it, you know, as I was preparing this message and, and doing my research and reading, um, uh, two words came up, all right, that, that spoke to me about what it really takes to understand and interpret Scripture correctly. And it was dealing with the use of words in the scripture and the tense or the form that was being used to let the interpreters know that what was being talked about was not just in the immediate present. So now if you flunked English, if you couldn't conjugate verbs, you hated conjugating verbs, in English, and you flunked English, how in the world are you going to go to seminary and understand tenses of words and forms of words? How are you going to do it? But the church is full of people who say, I don't need to study. I don't need all of that. All I need is God. And so we have a lot of half-baked churches around and half-baked Christians, and that's why we got the mess that we have today in Christianity as a whole. You know, Holy Spirit speak, I want to I wanna be finished. I can't tell you, Lord, when to help me finish, but help me, not, help me not to go beyond what I'm supposed to say. Amen. Yeah. So, so constantly it's... As I, as I continue to, to get older in the Lord, I'm, I'm constantly being challenged. And I thank God for the, the, the people around me, the younger people around me, the studied people around me. Thank God for all of you all who pray. But there are some people in here who've gone deep in the word. And as we discuss scripture, it helps us. And, and, and I am not... I am not offended at all if somebody knows, knows something that I don't know or that I may have studied so long ago I forgot it. You understand? It's something about being freshly engaged in school. Some things you got to go back and look up. But when you're studying it right now, you know it. Amen. You know it. You know it. And the church, the church of Jesus today, the, uh, those who call ourselves the church, we're, we're, we're in a real mess. 
we're in a real mess. Uh, uh, we're moving stuff that don't, I, I was reading a post and I'm still debating on how to, how to respond. I think I'm going to respond personally. I will privately. I won't respond publicly. A young man put out on Facebook that Jehovah Nisi, God does not have a name by Jehovah Nisi. Uh, oh, yeah. And he said that was the name of a place and not the name of God. But what he missed, you see, there, there's something, I keep telling y'all, there's something about experience. You know, there's something about walking with the Lord. There's something about being older. There's stuff I did when I was young in ministry that I wouldn't do. There are things I said when I was young in ministry that I would not say today. Because the Lord has taught me over the years. And it's okay. You got to grow. You know, you got to grow. But it's good to be around older people in the Lord who are rooted and grounded in Scripture. And I'm saying, okay, so you miss something. You miss, yes, yes, when, 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 when Abraham offered up Isaac, he called the name of the place Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide, but he was attributing it to God. So then we can say Jehovah Jireh because God provides. It's not just a name of a place in Scripture. Now it's attributed to God who is my provider. So I'm not in error for saying that God is Jehovah Jireh. God is Jehovah Nisi. God is my banner of victory. Because it's tied to a situation in Scripture that, that where God moved on behalf of his people. God did it. The place didn't move. God moved. We, we miss stuff, you know, and the church has to be developed. We have to be developed, you know. We can run after what sounds good, but sometimes what sounds good just doesn't, doesn't stand the test of time. You know, it doesn't stand the test of time, you know. You know, I know I've been pastoring now 46 years. So I'm an old, 48 years, something like that, 49 years, somewhere, somewhere in there. So, so I'm old, even though I'm just about 40, you know. Uh, <laughs> I'm old compared to a lot of preachers. I am. And, and, and when I was growing up, after a while, some people didn't want to hear the older people in the gospel. They didn't. They wanted a young person. So when I went in the Baptist church, a lot of them wanted to call a young pastor. One deacon at a church close there said, oh, we got a young pastor. Told me this. We got a young pastor. We can train him. I'm like, you're just a deacon. And didn't have a high school diploma at that. So how are you going to train the pastor? So that, that becomes then an issue of control. You're not even saying we want to fund this young man's education. You're not willing to say we're going to put out money. Yeah, we called a young man and we want to make sure that he's equipped with everything he needs to be our pastor so he can lead us. You're not saying we're going to put forth the money to send him to school so he can be trained, not to be called, but to be trained after his calling. You're going to say, oh, we got a young man, we can train him. So you want to be in control. That's all that is. The church belongs to you all, and you want to control the church. You want to keep it going the way it's been going. He says, so we, we got a mess. We have a mess that we're dealing with. And, and whenever you get to the point that, you know, I understand that every old person is not wise. 
There are some things that come with wisdom, but some people just live foolish lives now. Honestly speaking, you know some foolish old people. Amen? I know some foolish old people. But when God has, and, and I'm not saying this because I think y'all going to throw me away. Y'all ain't, you can't throw me away. <laughs> you can go, but I'm going to be here if I be here by myself. <laughs> and I won't be here alone. Amen. But, but, but I'm saying this because we have to value the wisdom, the knowledge, the teaching, the training that God has placed in our midst. It's okay for, for people to have be young. You know yourself. A young guy said to me in Liberia, he said, oh, Bishop, you don't preach like you used to preach. Well, now I learned this, that when I finished hooping and hollering and sweating up my suits and, and having polyps on my vocal cords from preaching so hard and couldn't talk after I finished preaching, some people never changed. So let me not have to send my suits to the, to the cleaner so often. Let me not have to go back and have surgery on my vocal cords. Let me just teach you the word of the Lord. Amen. So it will help you. So let's get getting into the scripture there. I, thank you, Holy Spirit. There's a whole lot more I want to say. Uh, well, thank you, Lord. You brought it back up, so I'm going to say it. You know, so we look at, you, you got to be careful. You know, even when you look at what, what Christians do, uh, in the world, because now you hear on television, and a lot of these people in our government, they're Christians. A lot of them say that they're Christians, but now we have a political party that's talking about weaponizing the Department of Justice against a man. And these same people won't talk about or resist you when you talk about how the Department of Justice has been weaponized against black people down through the ages. If it wasn't weaponized, how do you have so many people who are in jail unjustly? How do you have communities that are targeted? How do you have lines that are drawn to make sure that, that, that there are a certain group of people in our society don't, don't have the same access that other people in our society has? And it's not about an individual. For the church, it should never be about an individual. We, we do stand for justice, but justice has to be justice. And it has to be justice for everybody. It has to be justice for everybody. And as Christians, this, that part doesn't affect us because I don't think any of us are out there hollering that. I hope we are not. But, but as the church as a whole, we need to see this and we need to go back to being the church. And so as we look at this scripture, um, as we pay close attention to what has been written about the church in the book of Acts, we can learn a lot. And, and these things may, be, may appear to be real simple, but they go deep. And, and, and I don't know how deep the Lord is going to let me go with this today, but they go deep. And as you, as you get whatever God gives me, then that means that you have to go and you, you need to study more. You need to dig more if you're not already doing that. So... Um, as we, look at, as we look at the book of Acts, as we look at the church, we can see more about how we're supposed to, who, who we're supposed to be, how we're supposed to live um, as Christ's body in the earth realm and his witnesses in the world today. We are the body of Christ, right? We're the body of Christ. We're the body of Christ, right? So you know, even with that, 
even with that, you have to look at yourself and, and ask yourself, Lord, what am I subjecting you to as your body in my, in my realm of life? Lord, what am I subjecting you to? What, what am I subjecting you to? I am, I am a part of your body. I am. I am a part of your body. So what am I subjecting you to? You're my head. I'm joined to you. What am I subjecting you to? We look at this and we see how we're supposed to live, who we're supposed to be. And, and, and we are encouraged to model the same, the same type of, of behavior, the same type of lifestyle uh, today as God's people so that when people see us, they will behold the glory of the Lord shining forth from our lives. Amen. This, this whole theme about Christ moving into the neighborhood and we beheld his glory full of grace and truth. This keeps speaking to me because in us, Christ has moved into the neighborhood. Wherever you live, as a part of the body, now Christ has moved into your neighborhood. And your people, the people who live around you, should be beholding the glory of God through your life, through your words, through your actions. And we beheld his glory full of grace and truth. Now, now sometimes, uh, sometimes there are those who limit, who limit Holy Spirit's power from working in their midst. Yeah. Could be because lack of knowledge. It could be because of lack of faith. It could be because of some hurt or pain caused by others in the body. Uh, it could be because of sin. Yet, whatever has happened, whatever the cause is, whatever has happened in the body to cause division, to cause hurt, to cause lack of trust, to cause fear, to cause insensitivity, or to cause isolation, we're still challenged to push beyond those things and be his body in the neighborhoods in which we live. I do not have a pass, P-A-S-S, not P-A-S-T. I don't have a pass to act any kind of way just because you offended me. I don't have a pass. The Lord is not pass. You know what a pass is. You've been to school. You got to go to the bathroom and get a pass to go. You got permission. No, I don't have a pass. I don't have a pass because I've been hurt to walk away from the body of Christ. I don't. I don't. I have been challenged to push past whatever has happened. If I have lack of faith, I'm challenged to push past my lack of faith and mature in my faith in the Lord so that I can be 
an active vital part of Christ's body because there is a purpose for my salvation. There is a purpose for me being in the earth realm. Don't have a pass. Don't have a pass. We got to see this. We've got to see this. Regardless of what has happened, and I know sometimes people don't like that when you say regardless of what has happened, but that's the bottom line. The bottom line is regardless of what has happened, what has happened. You, you got to push past that. You can't keep holding on to stuff. It'll kill you. It will kill you. It will K-I-L-L kill you. You don't, you don't have a past. Do, do we really understand what the Bible says about forgiveness? I mean, we prayed it when we, were, when we didn't know anything else but what we call the Lord's Prayer. We would pray, forgive us our as. So that's a constant, constant, constant process of forgiving because, listen, we're human beings. And we're going to inevitably do something to offend or hurt somebody else. Sometimes unintentionally. We'll just do stuff unintentionally. Anyway. So we're challenged. Say, I'm challenged to push beyond whatever has happened in my life so that I can be the body of Christ in my neighborhood and people can see the glory of God revealed in my life. Now, now when you talk about the glory of God, one, one of the things you're talking about is the brilliance of God. Brilliance. I mean, you know, Saul was knocked off of his beast when he encountered the Lord, and he saw a bright light, brilliance. Jesus said, uh, you are the light of the world. You are the brilliance of the world. So then when, and you as a city that's set up on the, upon the hill, your brilliance is so great. Your light is so great that, 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 that people all around see. When the light is bright, it attracts people. The brilliance of God's glory attack, attracts people. Okay. You say, well, well, okay, then let's think of people as, as insects. When you got a bright light, what's attractive? Amen. If you don't want the, the mosquitoes and the bugs, you put up a red light or a yellow light that dims the brilliance. But if you don't care about attracting, and, and the Lord wants to attract people, he wants to attract everybody. So the light is bright. Now, when the Lord attracts us to him, we can't remain the same. We can't. That's, that's another issue with people in the quote-unquote church today. People don't want to change. But all of us have to do what? There's no way for this Holy, for Holy Spirit to live in you. Holy Spirit is the life of God. So, so God is not going to live in you, and you remain as you were before you came to him. There's no way. It doesn't happen. 
All of us change. All of us, we have to change. Transformation is a part of this process. Yeah, yeah. And we change because God's glory is in us. We're being illuminated. The things we didn't understand, now we understand it. The things we didn't see, now we see it. But not only do we see it, this glory begins to shine so, so brightly around us, other people see it. It's not just in how I preach. It's not in how I sing. It's how I live. It's how I live. Because you're not going to be standing on the front porch of your house every day singing. All day, every day. You ain't going to be standing up on your job singing. Can you imagine? You at your desk working, and then you all of a sudden you break out in a song. And then all of a sudden your supervisor will come and say, I'm not paying you to be up in here singing. <laughs> Can you imagine? But when you live it, when the glory of God is shown forth in your life, you don't have to stand up at your desk. You can be sitting at your desk doing your work and somebody will see the glory, the, the brilliance of God. If it's just your supervisor that sees that there's something extra about you. There's something extra about what you put in to what you do. Amen. So, so we're challenged to push past because we want, we want the glory of God to shine forth in our lives. So when we look at the early church and the great growth of the church is evident that they were doing some things right. Right? They were doing some things right. The church was growing. The church was growing. The church was growing. People's lives were being changed. Okay? Um, now when the church does things right, who do you think is glorified? God is. God is glorified. The glory shines through his people and the brilliance of God's glory is such that people see and are drawn to it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So God's glory is not for you. It's always for him. Man, God doesn't share his glory with anybody. He doesn't. So we have to be really careful. Be really careful when people come and start patting us on our backs. Oh, you're so anointed. You're so wonderful. You might be anointed, but whose anointing is it? And what is the anointing for? Amen. For his glory, so that somebody else is attracted to him. Now, when you start thinking this about you, There, there's a whole lot of examples I could use, but I'm not going to use those examples because I realize that, that, that I might be being judgmental about some things. So, But, you know, people have to think. All right. You have to think. When you get up in front of people to minister in any form, look decent. But don't, don't dress in such a manner that the atten attention is on you. Do you understand what I mean? Because you don't want the attention on you. You don't. 
So there's no sense of me coming up here every week. I go buy a new suit with a pocket handkerchief uh, with the same color socks, the same color necktie, the same color shoes, and make sure that they are very, very, very fancy. You know, so that now the attention is on me. And you're watching what I have on so much that you can't see God. I hear God. And we see it all of the time. You see it all the time. Television kind of hurts people. Social media kind of hurts people. Because now their attention is on us. Even with our giftings, with the ministries. You know, a lot of times I pull back from Facebook for posting things because too much stuff is on Facebook. I know it could be a tool for us to minister, on, but now <laughs> it should never be about you. It should always be about the glory of God and about about advancing God's purposes in the earth realm. Amen? You don't, you don't get, you don't get, you don't start a ministry on Facebook and now you don't need the church. Now you don't need your pastor. Now you don't need a covering. Now you got all of this anointing, so now I'm on Facebook. I don't need anybody. Somebody needs to affirm you. And somebody needs to continue to affirm you. I never will forget Listening to this one, this, um, can't think of a name, but everybody know her. And she just had this anointing on her. I mean, she could preach and no more sheets for the name. But anyway, I ain't calling on that. I didn't call her name, y'all did. So anyway, and this is nothing negative, but this was a powerful statement that she made. She said, I walked into church one Sunday and my pastor said, sit down. And she said, well, you need to go find a testimony and listen to it because I ain't going to tell you everything she said because I don't remember it. She said, my pastor said, sit down. And she said, I began to think, you know, I've done all of these things and, and my name is out there and I'm beginning to get popular. And she did. She kind of blew up. And now my pastor says, sit down. I'm sure the first thing came to her mind was, who is this man telling me to sit down? Look at who I am. It's never about you. It's never about you. When you think it's about you, somebody needs to tell you to sit down. Sit down now. You're you moving. You're getting too big for your britches. Sit down. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. And in due time, God will exalt you. Yeah. So what do we learn? We, we have to glorify Christ. We, we got to, we've got to keep the focus that God is the one who must be glorified, not us, not us, not us. Um, same concept behind Jesus' words in John chapter 12, verse 32. Jesus said, and when I, and I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all men to myself. Now, we know his through his crucifixion, Amen. And when he was crucified on the cross, he was lifted up. Amen. And through his death, his burial and resurrection, he's made it possible for everybody who will to come to him. But we still have the responsibility of exalting Jesus. It's not about us. It's about Jesus Christ. We must return to glorifying Jesus. Amen. There is a lot of flesh on display in the church. A lot of it is flesh on display. 
that doesn't glorify Christ. Salvation does not come because you can sing so good or I can preach so good or I look so wonderful. Salvation only comes through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And our purpose for being in the world as Jesus' purpose was to seek and to save the lost. And as we win them to Christ, we disciple them and we, we incorporate them in the body of Christ. You can't be out there doing any kind of ministry and then people get saved as you're ministering and you don't tie them to a church. You've got to tie them to a church. And the church has to be ready and open and willing to receive and disciple. People have gone on the mission fields and they, they, they testify about thousands of people coming to Christ. All of that is useless if those people are not tied to a church and a pastor that can oversee them and people that will work with them and disciple them so that they can also win others. So numbers really doesn't mean anything. When people say they get saved. You know, I started doing this because you'd have to. What I experienced on the mission field is that when you give the invitation, uh, you have five nights of crusades. If you pay attention, every time you give the invitation, some of those same people come to the altar. So they get saved five times. Is that possible? You only really get saved one time. But if I am concerned about my name and glorifying myself, I will count them every night. And I will say, we won 5,000 people to Christ. And I will print my flyer and I'll put it on my Facebook page or, or send it out to my supporters. So people, oh, you're doing such a good work. I'm going to send you some money. Now it takes money to do the work of ministry. It does take money to do the work. But make sure you're doing the work of ministry. Yeah. So what do we learn from the church? What do we learn from the church that's so important? Because, uh, yeah, I got a few minutes. What do we learn as we look at the book of, of Acts? Um, first thing that I noticed in the scripture was a, that the spirit of unity prevailed. Can someone say the spirit of unity prevailed? Verse 32. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. And this, this theme is picked up later on. If you look down at, 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 at verse, um, uh, what's that? That's verse 34. It says there was no needed person among them. It said from time to time, those who bought land or houses sold them and brought the money from the sale and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. All right? It talks about Barnabas, Barnabas whose name was really Joseph. The, the, the apostles gave him the nickname Barnabas. He was a great person of encouragement. Um, from, from Cyprus, sold the field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. So you see that that that. In the church, the spirit of unity prevailed, okay? It, it prevailed. They, there, was a, there was a sense of selflessness, right? A sense of love for Christ, of course, and then love for one another. 
They wanted to make sure that every need was supplied. Now, this, this was not compulsory and was not put in Scripture for us to start a movement and then make everybody sell everything so we could make sure everybody have need. All right, it wasn't put there for that. All right, now remember the Bible says also that if you don't work, you don't do what? So, 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 if you're not willing to work, don't come asking me for money to buy food because I ain't giving you none. And don't ask the church because if we know you're not willing to work, we're not giving you any either. Because the Bible says if you don't work, you don't eat. Now, 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 that's different from a person who can't find a job. If you can't find a job and you want me to give you some money, come cut my grass. I ain't coming to cut your grass. Well, then you don't eat. You know? And, and we've, we've, we've made, some, of, some people want to make church look bad because if the church says no, well, the church always supposed to say yes. Listen, you can, you, you can be a beater of the system. There are people who have learned to beat the system. They won't work. And they want you to feel, you got people in your family just like that. Just tell the truth and shame the devil. You know some people in your family like that, they won't work. They come asking you for money, and you feeling sorry for them. You giving them money, and you feeding their habit. You look at your refrigerator, and it's full of food, and you feeling bad because that person, oh, they hungry. Don't feel bad. Keep that food for somebody that's trying to find a job and having a hard time and share it with them. Because the Bible says if you don't work, I just can't stand to see somebody hungry. I can't either, but you better, you better make sure you can, you're going to work. I got a garden in my backyard. It need to be weeded. Come on. Time to pick tomatoes. You want some tomatoes? Come and pick some tomatoes. You can have some. But don't, 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 don't be lazy and ask me to pick the, to, to buy the seeds, to till the soil, to fertilize the soil, to water the garden, to weed the garden, to pick the tomatoes, and then give you some tomatoes. What? So this was not something that was compulsory. It was voluntary. These people voluntarily did what they did because of what God had done in their lives. Actually, they saw themselves as, um, in, as, as, as the new Israel, as, as the end-time people of God, because in Deuteronomy chapter uh, 15, amen, Israel, um, uh, it, it talks about the, the ideal community that God would establish for Israel and what would happen in the end times. So then what the early church believed was, Jesus is coming back soon. We're going to model this behavior. And, and listen, everybody didn't model it. Everybody didn't model it because you go down to chapter 5 and you meet Ananias and Sapphira, who lied to the Holy Ghost. Peter said, while it was your own, it was your, you didn't have to do this. We didn't make you all sell any property. You could have kept it. 
You come and lie to the Holy Ghost. Say that you can. So it wasn't compulsory. It wasn't compulsory. People were not made to do it. Some people in the church were, were better off than others. When you go to Acts chapter 12, I believe it is, and you talk, they talk about Mary. She had a servant girl. She had a servant. When that girl wrote her, we talk about uh, uh, she, when she saw Peter, when Peter came to the door after he'd been released from prison, knocked on the door. She was a servant. She was like a maid. So this lady had means. And the church met at her house. So the Lord didn't make her, her and her husband sell everything so that everybody could have them. This was a voluntary thing. But what we see here, what we see here is the spirit of unity prevailing in the church. They were together. That's what the Bible says. They were a, a one in heart and mind. So what I had, my brothers and sisters had. I wouldn't see you in need and I had the ability to help you and not help you because we're of one mind. And the church has to get back to that, being of one mind. And, and we, many of us do it uh, sometimes, but we got to, we, that has to prevail. We have to care for one another. This one another theme runs throughout the New Testament. In the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, we must care for one another. And, and, and let me tell you now, I got to go back to this not working thing. If you don't work and you can work and you expect me to give to, to you, you don't care for me. This thing has, this coin, there's two sides to the coin. Caring doesn't mean that you sit back and wait for me to give. Caring doesn't mean that you sit back and wait for me to love you and then you don't love me. Caring doesn't mean that, 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 that I can talk good about you and you talk bad about me. No, 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 no. We're going to talk good about each other. We're going to pray for each other. We're going to encourage one another. The spirit of unity prevailed in the church. Prevailed in the church. Uh, the Christians saw themselves, and, I, and, and, and as I read this again, as I was reading over my notes this morning, it just jumped out at me. The Christians saw themselves as the people of God of the final times. They were experiencing God's blessings, and they were striving to realize the, realize the ideal of a people of God with no poor among them. The Lord asked me the question, how do you see yourself? See, how you see yourself matters. Do you really see yourself as a follower of Jesus? Do you really see yourself as a Christian? If I see myself as a Christian, then I am going to do those things that manifest a Christ-like character in my life. Now, if I see myself as a church member, then I might look, be looking like somebody else in the church. Somebody else becomes my pattern. Or not my pattern. I don't want to be like them. I don't want to be like Christ, but I just don't want to be like them. How do you see yourself? How do you perceive yourself in your walk with God? If you really perceive yourself as a disciple of Jesus, then you're going to be studying. You're going, to be, you're going to be digging. You're going to be researching. You're going to be a, a discipline in yourself so that you manifest the nature of discipleship. How do you perceive yourself? 
This becomes a personal thing, not just a corporate body. It becomes personal. Do you walk around every day and perceive yourself as a follower of Jesus Christ who submitted to his standard? So the Christian standard comes in, the biblical standard come in. It's so easy to justify yourself in your wrongdoing. It's easy. It's easy. You know, you, uh, that old song, since I'm old, I can go back to the old songs. I don't know a lot of the new songs. Sometimes I can't understand the words. If loving you is wrong, I don't want to be right. Y'all ever heard that song? I just wonder if they were that person singing that song was talking about his husband or, or her what? His, her husband or his wife. You see, you can get so caught up in the flesh, and this is real. You can get so caught up in the flesh and what your flesh wants that you will push past holiness to satisfy yourself. So then, if loving that person is wrong, you don't want to be right. But you'll still walk around and say, I'm a Christian. Standard of holiness has to come in. Oh. I don't know who this lady was, Trevor was telling me about the other day. Uh, uh, <laughs> but she said, God is not so much concerned about heterosexuality or homosexuality as he is about holiness. Be holy, for I am holy. So now if you get down on the personal level and you're dealing with your flesh and what you're feeling in your body, then you'll push past the standard of Scripture. So you can satisfy yourself. And then holiness then, you start looking at people and comparing yourself to people. Well, that person not living holy. Oh, you say, I heard this about that person. I heard this about that person. And they say, well, what's wrong with me doing what I'm doing? Is it the Christian standard? Is it the biblical standard? It doesn't have to be homosexuality. It can be alcoholism, drug addiction. It can be beating your wife, beating your husband. Some women beat their husbands now. What y'all laughing for? How many women in here been in fights with your husband? You won. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> Let me finish this message today. <laughs> Amen! Do you understand what I'm saying? The standard is holiness. So if I'm living holy, Paul said, I keep under my body that I might bring it into subjection. It's a standard. Standard. As they maintain the spirit of unity now. Uh, The other thing that I saw in the scripture is that the apostles, the ministry of the apostles was not hindered. It says, it went on to say, with great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of Jesus. Now, this is so important. Of course, when you, you tie this in to what had happened before, all of this is one, one account, okay? So, so um, 
Peter and John have been put in prison. They've been brought before the Sanhedrin. They've been commanded not to preach or teach in the name of Jesus. They went back to their own company like we preached last week, and they prayed, and they glorified God, and God answered their prayer. The place where they were sitting uh, was shaken, uh, and, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God with boldness. So you, you move further in this, and you see the spirit of unity prevailing in the church, and you also hear, you also hear that the, with great power, the apostles continued. They didn't stop. Now, you know, as I read this, maybe, maybe I'm reading into the text right here, but when, when you read in chapter 6, that, that, that there, there arose uh, uh, a bit of, there arose a concern or disagreement or whatever, not necessarily a disagreement, but the Greek-speaking widows and orphans were being neglected in the daily distribution. All right? And so the apostles called the church together, and they said, okay, we should not leave the ministry of the word to serve tables. Now there is a distraction if the situation that has arisen is a distraction. So the apostles in the wisdom of the Holy Spirit says, you all choose out from among you seven men full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom that we may appoint over this matter. So why? Because we should not leave the study of the word and prayer to serve tables. So then, if, if the spirit of unity prevailed in the church, the apostles did not have to stop and deal with distractions. Little foxes spoil the vine. So I say to every leader in here, we have a leaders meeting tomorrow night, do not forget. I say to every leader in here, do what you're supposed to do. Then I don't have to deal with distractions. The spirit of unity has to prevail. A part of the spirit of unity that prevails is people doing what they're supposed to do. Everybody. Everybody. Not just one, not just two, not just three, not just four. Everybody. You don't know what you're supposed to do? Ask somebody a question. You know, put out fires that need to be put out. Don't add to it. Don't add to the fire. Don't be agreeing with folk when they call you a gossip. Nobody should be calling you a gossip. But you just change the conversation. I don't want to talk about that. Spirit of unity prevailed, and the apostles continued to witness with great power. Lastly, because I didn't want to preach an hour, but I'm Almost there, so anyhow. My <clears throat> Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. You're right, might as well. Let me just go on. <laughs> Hallelujah. I was in a service yesterday, one of my cousins at my cousin's funeral. He said, That man preached a long time. I said, It didn't seem long to me. <laughs> the man was preaching, the man had a word, the man was talking truth. He was in the scripture. It wasn't long. Now, if you used to 30 minutes or 15 minutes, it was long, but I ain't used to that. Guess what? First Sunday of July, I got to preach at that church. I said, I said, how long? I said, how long does your pastor preach? <laughs> Lord, y'all be praying for me. They used to sing this old song, put the bits in my mouth and a bridle around my tongue. Y'all pray for me. Because, ah, 30 minutes, Lord have mercy. Don't tell me 20. Whew. 
Finally, God's grace, God's grace was so powerful at work in them. Now, it says that, that all of them, that there was no needy person among them. Now, now, of course, then we need to, as we look at this, we see God's grace at work. Okay, God's grace has been poured out upon the believers. And, and when you understand that as they were obedient to the Lord, as they loved Christ, as they, the spirit of unity prevailed among them, as they were proclaiming the word of the Lord, God's grace was going to rest on them. They couldn't do this without God's grace. All right? The every need could not be supplied unless God graced them to do it. Amen? But his grace goes beyond that. So I want to I talk about that too. Yes, as we humbly submit to God, God will make sure that every need is supplied according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. He will. He will. God will lay it on your heart when you have been blessed. God will put somebody on your heart to be a blessing too. And it will be someone who does not, who, who needs that blessing. Amen. And when God lays that person on your heart, give it. Because it can do nothing but turn around. The Lord, the Lord laid somebody on my heart last night. And this morning, I didn't do it last night. I don't know, I was just debating about something because I didn't, I didn't want the wrong thought to be, I didn't want the wrong thought because we had talked about something else. So I didn't want it to be seen as, you know, me doing this so that that person could do something else. But this morning, Holy Spirit brought it back to my mind and I immediately did a cash in. I don't know Elder Hoskins was going to push Pastor's partner the way he did this morning. And I don't know who did this because I went out to use the, use the men's room and I came back. A $100 bill was under my, my Bible. So when the Lord lays it on your heart to be a blessing, do it. You can't lose. I'm not saying God's going to turn it around that fast, but I guarantee you God will turn it around. There's an old song we used to say, it's not that old. You can't beat God's giving. The more you give, the more he'll give to you. So keep on giving. Because it's really true. Yeah, you can't beat him. When you, when you give, it'll be given back to you. Good measure. Pressed down. Shaking together. And running over. The Bible says, it didn't say God would give. It said men will give into your bosom. Sometimes you're looking at your resources and you don't have much. And God says, give to that person. Don't argue with God and say, but God, tomorrow I got to pay my bills. No, this is a need right now. Give it right now. Tomorrow will take care of itself. God has a way. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? God has a way that when tomorrow comes, tomorrow's needs will be supplied. Grace, somebody shout grace. Unmerited favor. You can't deserve it. You don't deserve it. God just does it out of his abundant riches and glory because he loves you. And then you begin to see the glory of God. You begin to see the glory of God. And I know, you know, we're looking for glory. We're looking for cloud of dust to come out of heaven and gold to be lighting up. You know, I just keep wondering. Now, now don't think I'm sacrilegious and judgmental. But all these testimonies about gold dust falling on people. 
why don't they collect the gold and go turn it in? <laughs> now, if somebody has collected the gold, I know we, 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 we believe everything that, that people say happened in the church. But if God's sending gold dust to follow on people, give me also the testimony. I'm not saying it can't happen. God can do anything. I know some of y'all got a tight lip because I said that. That's okay. You probably thought it too. You just wasn't bold enough to say it. Because I guarantee you if God sends some gold dust down on me, I'm going to be trying to straighten this gold dust up. Because there's a reason for God sending the gold. Amen. There's a reason for God sending the gold. So his glory was revealed. His, the brilliance of God's glory was revealed among the church because everybody's need was supplied. Grace of God. So powerfully at work among them. Grace has, one, 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 grace has a lot of effects on me. I'm going to give you just five effects that grace has on us. And I guarantee you I'll be finished. Huh. Grace. God pours out his grace. Our souls are healed. Got to be healed from within. Your mind got to be healed. Your mind got to be made whole. Because we're, we're in a broken world. We're born in sin. We're shaped in iniquity. The issues that we have, wherever they came from, people have been molested when they were children. People have been abused when they were children. They get old. They've never dealt with this stuff. People have been, 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 been abused. Sometimes you look at women in abusive relationships and you wonder why they stay. Because they learned to accept abuse when they were children. Healing has to take place because you get saved and you can dance now. It doesn't mean that you've been healed. But God's grace will bring healing. Ooh. Then we start willing to do good. When I will to do good, doesn't mean that I'm always doing good. I'm, I'm, I'm stuck in a place, but I don't want to be stuck here, so my will is to do good. And as I continue walking in that will to do good, then through the grace of God and the work of Holy Spirit, that will start manifesting in reality. Change starts coming in my life. Ooh. God's grace upon our lives. Then we begin to work effectively. We begin to persevere. We begin to persevere. Uh -huh. Paul said in the Romans, for everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. It's God's grace is poured out on my life. And I studied the I learned to endure. I learned to persevere, and then I see I got help in my perseverance. It's the grace of God. Grace of God. It's the grace of God. And then we break through to glory. The brilliance of God is shown in our lives. Breakthrough has come. God's grace is shown upon us. So we need to learn the lessons of the early church. 
Gotta learn these lessons. Whatever their background, it was the grace of God at work in their lives that transformed them. Those who yielded. You gotta yield. You gotta yield. Those that yielded. It was God's grace that transformed them. Yeah. That caused them to will to do good. Caused them to endure. And that brought them to a breakthrough in God's glory. You will be a light, a city, like a city that's set up on a hill. People look at us. They will see God's brilliance in our lives. Let's stand. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the power of your word. Thank you that when your word goes forth, it does not return to you void, but it accomplishes all that you desire. Thank you that you prosper your word in the things that you sent your word to. You've shown us practical examples in the scripture of who we're supposed to be and the behavior that we're supposed to model so that your glory is revealed in us, right in the neighborhoods where we live, so that when people see us and your glory on our lives, they'll be drawn to you. Use us, Father, as we humble ourselves under your mighty hand, as we be Christian, a disciple, a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. Use us for your glory. Thank you now. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. So if there's anybody this morning that the Lord has, has touched uh, because you want to follow Jesus, You want to be a part of his body, his church. And you're willing to submit yourself to his will and his way. The last part about you will to do good. Salvation comes as a decision of your will. Not because I ask you but because you hear the gospel message, you want to give your life to Jesus. Now, this message says Christ died on the cross for your sins, which goes deeper than that. What Christ was doing was that he was satisfying divine justice because God's law says the soul that sins shall surely die means that every one of us deserve death for our sin. God cannot violate his law. He cannot. But what he did in Jesus, Jesus Christ, second person of the Godhead, God who came in flesh, born of a virgin, yes, but no human DNA passed 
from Mary to Jesus. So Jesus is sinless. He is God's anointed one. He shed his blood. He died on the cross. His righteous blood was shed on the cross of Calvary to satisfy God's wrath and God's justice for all of humanity. Now, humanity has to take a step. We have to accept what the Lord did as a personal sacrifice for us. Personally, we have to accept this and ask Jesus to come into our lives and be our Savior and be our Lord. So if you're here today or you're watching me online and you believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sins, he took your place in death. You deserve to die. But he died for you. He satisfied God's wrath for you. And you're willing to accept this. Accept his sacrifice. Give your life to him. Say, Lord Jesus, come into my life. Save me from my sin. I yield my life my will to you. If you're in the sanctuary, you can come down front. If you're watching online, lift up your hand. Or, well, we can't see your hand lifted up, but I want you to do this. You can pray this prayer with me. And even if you're in the sanctuary, you can pray this prayer with me. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, I am a sinner. I cannot save myself. Lord, I believe that you died on the cross for my sin. Well, I deserve death according to God's law because of my sin. You died in my place. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I accept your sacrifice for me. Come into my life. Save me from my sin. I yield my life to you. Be my Savior. Be the Lord of my life. Thank you, Lord, for saving me. Amen. I pray that you've been blessed by the message. And if you have, write to us. Let us know how this message has impacted your life. Or if you've made a decision for Christ today to follow Jesus as your Savior and your Lord, write to us and let us know that as well. And give us your information so that we can follow up with you. You may write to us at Tabernacle of Praise at msn.com. That's Tabernacle of Praise at msn.com. Give us your email address or a way to contact you so that we can follow up with you. Also, we would like for you to sow into this ministry. If you've been blessed by this work, by the preaching of the gospel and the teaching of the gospel, and you would like to help further this cause, we're not just preaching here in the United States. We are preaching around the world. Through this podcast, our messages are being heard in many places around the world. We are actively working in eight countries in the world. 
on the ground in Liberia, Malawi, Burkina Faso, Ghana, Guinea, uh, Kenya, and Dominican Republic. So if you'd like to help us in this work, feel free to sow a seed to help further the preaching and teaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the expanding of the kingdom of God. If you would like to give, go to topraise.org forward slash give. Again, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening. Continue to pray with us and for us as we continue to spread this gospel of Jesus Christ around the world. God bless you.